Welcome to Understanding the Law. Your host for the program is Peter Lamont. Mr. Lamont is a business and personal law attorney and the principal of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico, and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast discussing a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. As always, we welcome calls from our listeners. If you wish to discuss any of today's topics, please call our switchboard at 347-855-8831. And now, your host, Peter Lamont. Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, September 4th, 2014. Peter is actually in court this morning in a last-minute hearing. My name is Robin Bull, Director of Programming, sitting in for him. Today we're going to be, be discussing, discussing music as a business. We have two very special guests with us today. Uh, we have two professional musicians. We have Mike Winston and Rob Malmberg. Um, go ahead, guys, and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, well, my name is Mike Winston. I uh, play in a death metal band called Center of Disease here in uh, Oklahoma. I've uh, been playing music for quite a few years now and uh, seem to keep having the uh, habit of wanting to do it. And uh, basically uh, kind of an underground independent band. And I heard that you've actually played the guitar for close to 30 years. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of telling of age, but yeah, that's true. So <laughs> I'll admit to it. Well, I'll tell you later who told me and you can get on to them. Yeah, I already know who that was, so yeah, I'll make sure to let him know. Uh, Rob, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay. <clears throat> sorry. I'm Rob Malmberg. I play bass for uh, the band Code 22. Uh, we're a local rock slash pop punk band. Um, we're in the middle of writing our fourth album. Um, just completed our third music video. Um, so we've been around for just a little while now and we're starting to really make some headway in the city uh, as far as Reverb Nation charts and just uh, lots of different show opportunities and stuff like that. And, and you have experience touring too, right? Uh, yes. Um, that's, that's what I thought. That's what I had remembered. Um, I did have a list of questions that have been submitted to us in advance. I thought that we could discuss those things since Peter's outing and the two of you could give the listeners, your experience. Um, if anyone wants to call in and ask questions, the number is 347-855-8831. Um, and with that, I guess we will just go ahead and jump right into it. One of the first questions that we received, you know, when you're, when you're in the music business, a lot of things can happen. And when you're new, obviously, there are things that you wish that you could ask someone and, and you don't know who to ask and then you end up getting bit on the behind. So what are some red flags that people should look for that will let them know that whoever they're dealing with, be it a music venue or a promoter or anyone in general that says that they can help them, how do you know when that person's not being honest? Um, for well, me, first, first, oops, sorry, go, go ahead, ahead, Rob. Um, 
with with my dealings because I do all promotions and bookings for my band. Um, plus, I ran uh, my own promotion company for a while. Um, one of the things is if they are unwilling to put down your agreement on paper, um, that's kind of a deal breaker for me because I've had several dealings where it was a word of mouth agreement and it didn't stick with the way that it was supposed to go. And so that's definitely something to watch out for. Um, you know, as far as promoters go, talk to other bands. Um, you know, I, I network with a, a ton of bands in the Oklahoma City area, and I always ask if they know a certain promoter or have worked with this promoter and their opinions, um, which, you know, opinions are going to vary from band to band, but right. it, it's nice to have a little bit of insight as to, um, you know, the people that you're dealing with, especially being fresh out uh, in this music scene here in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I'm going to agree with what uh, Rob has to say there. It's that, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, you want to see their history of work. If you don't know what they've done, then, you know, you need to network with other people to see, you know, maybe what they know about them. Or, you know, sometimes uh, people will offer a lot more than what's typical, um, which, you know, that that can be a red flag as well. You really kind of just need to do your homework and see if these uh, – if, if any of these people have done something that's really significant, if they're just getting started, then, you know, you want to give them a chance, but you still need to find a little bit uh, of information on them and see what they're really about. Now, do you think that networking, you know, clearly with other people that are in the industry, when you were both starting out, did you find that people were more willing to answer questions that you had than you thought that maybe they would be? Well, for me, um, it, it was kind of it's kind of tough, you know. You, you got to find people that are really sincere about uh, what they're doing and, and being in the industry as well. So it, it's it's really hit and miss on that end of things, you know. It, it's really that's a, a tough question to really answer. Uh, I would agree, you know, because especially if you're not an, if you're not very established and you don't know very many people, if you're not going out to shows, it's really hard to, uh, you know, have those conversations with other bands uh, if you're not really actively out in the market, um, you know, whether it's promoting, booking, playing, anything, just going to shows. Um, you know, it's a very tight-knit community here in Oklahoma City, uh, definitely, so you really got to get out and you've got to meet people and you've got to come to their shows if you want to build those kind of relationships, um, especially starting out. I know when we were first starting out, we really didn't know anyone. You know, It took us a while to work our way into the scene that we wanted to be in, um, but it's definitely, definitely a lot of work and a lot of going to other people's shows and taking the time to uh, get to know their music and stuff in order to, uh, you know, have them reciprocate and work with you, and especially when it comes to booking. Absolutely. And the second question that we have actually has to do with booking. Um, this came to me from someone who's thinking about starting a band, and, th and this is in the context of once the band is up and running, obviously. Should a band use a booking agent or should someone in the band take it upon themselves to go ahead and book their own shows? What would be some of the pros and cons of hiring out and what would be some of the pros and cons about holding on to that and just doing it for yourself? Um, for me personally, I do all the booking for our band. Um, 
I feel that it's better for me to book our band because, uh, you know, then I'm the one dealing with the venue owner. I'm the one dealing with the other bands that are going to be on the on the bill. Um, so therefore, I have a little more control and a little less chaos when I'm handling it myself. Um, I'm not having to worry about, am I able to get hold of the promoter? Is the promoter actually talking to the venue owner? Is the promoter dealing with the other bands? Is he, you know, is he taking care of things? Um, now, certain times a promoter, I believe, would be better uh, going out on tour. I don't have a ton of connections, you know, in Illinois. So mm-hmm. I, I feel that using a promoter uh, when touring is is definitely crucial, especially if they have previous relationships with venue owners and other bands that are out of state. Um, but as far as in-state, if you're, if you're just playing a lot of local shows, in my opinion, if you have somebody that's a little bit business savvy and, uh, you know, is able to talk to people, booking within your own band, I think, is usually the better route, at least in my experience it has been. Yeah, that's kind of how we approach it as well. It really depends on how much you're going to be out there playing, you know, to a certain degree, how ambitious ambitious you are about getting out there. Um, I don't think hiring someone is a bad idea, but uh, at some level, if you're going to hire someone, that's really a direct hit on your finances. And really in what we do, there's a, you know, there's a limited amount of finance to, uh, to go around. So uh, it's good to, you know, networking's great again for this, to have friends that, uh you know, put on shows and, and are willing to help you out. So um, I, I think that's where you get a lot of your support is going back to the network thing. Um, getting getting a, someone to book all your shows for you, that's great. And I think if you're talking about touring, that, that's a big deal where you really do need, you know, a little bit of help there. But, uh, you know, a lot of that's uh, it takes up a lot of time. So for us, it's not really, it's not really a big option to have uh, to, to, to go out and hire someone's a little bit uh, more than what we would need. Yeah, same here, Absolutely. definitely. Absolutely. And and this question just came in, and it has to do with what we were just talking about with whether or not you want to keep your booking in or if you want to sort of give it over to someone else. It is asking, when you hire a promotions agent, basically what they're trying to get at is what is the usual fee that this person has paid? Is there well, like a standard I'm, rate that either one of you have noticed? No, not not for us because we we've, we've really never taken that approach um that uh you know on any level. I mean, maybe it's something that um you, you know you you're, you you kind of work out maybe ahead of time, but we've never really seen any standard fee. It would depend on the show as well and and where it's at. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um you know, my stuff is when I have used booking agents, which isn't very often, it's ran anywhere between 5 and 10% uh, okay. of the door charge um, is what I've looked at. When it's out of state, it's a little more. I'm looking at usually 15 to 20%. Um, but then again, they're putting in every bit of work. All I'm doing is walking in, you know, plugging in and playing. Uh, right, if I'm paying right. somebody else, then everything else has definitely got to be covered to where I don't have to, you know, concern myself with anything other than promoting the show. Right, absolutely. And sometimes having that little bit of convenience really does pay off. And I would think it would even more so if you are touring because that's one less thing. Like you both said, when you're in a new area, you don't really know anyone. That's really one less thing that you really need to worry about. Correct. The next question that we've received, um, I know that both of you will have input on it, and it did come from a new band. Should I have to sell tickets to my own show? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good one there. I think everybody <laughs> everybody uh, really just loathes that whole approach. But I, I think, you know, you can talk about how much you don't want to do it. and you, we, All of us can say there's no way I'm doing that anymore. But really the bottom line is, is uh, sometimes those are, are lucrative shows that you don't want to pass up. Um, and sometimes if it's a national act, well, maybe you want to get noticed by them and you're probably going to get – a little more exposure for, for your band from fans that may come out and, you know, really not have been aware of you otherwise. So, I mean, for, for us, I think it's a good deal here and there. There are certain shows that if we were asked to sell tickets, no, we're not doing it. It's not worth it. But there are some shows that, yeah, absolutely, we'll do it. Right. And I totally agree. Um, you know, we've we've come across selling tickets uh, for a few shows. And like you said, with larger bands, we opened for Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. I had no problem selling tickets for that show, you know, because I knew of the exposure. Um, right. And I also understand a touring band that size, what the cost is of them coming to play in Oklahoma City, and I understand the expenses and everything. And I, I do see the promoter side there of wanting to, you know, make sure that their guarantee is covered for the band that's coming in. Um, personally, I hate doing it, but... Um, it's worked out every time we've tried. I mean, we always hit our quota on ticket sales. Uh, we do well. Um, but it's just not something, especially in my shoes being a little bit of an older musician, I'm, I'm not 20, so it makes it a little more difficult to get out and just, you know, sell tickets like they're just going out of style. But a lot of times with the bands we've played with that we've sold tickets for, they kind of sell themselves. Do you have any tips for newer bands that need to sell tickets? Like any specific ways that either one of you would be willing to say, this is how I go about selling tickets on the rare occasions that we do it? Well, I say just you, you need to pick and choose what, what type of show you're going to sell tickets for. Sure. Um, it uh, really depends. You know, just don't jump on any show to sell tickets. It, it may not be worth it, you know, if, if you don't sell your quota and you know, it turns out to be a lame show. Maybe the guy that's putting the show on that wants you to sell tickets isn't really promoting himself. And, you know, it, it's it's really a, a pick-and-choose type deal. You know, make sure you're you're, you're really picking the right show to, to get on and, and accepting something that's lucrative to you. Well, let's say that it was a good show, that it's a national act that's coming through. Do you have any advice as far as where people could go to maybe sell their tickets? Maybe they've never sold tickets before. What would you advise them to do as far as to get to get a good game plan together to make sure that they're able to sell the tickets that they are supposed to sell? Well, like social media would be stores. the yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to you got to get out there and put out the effort. Really, you know, it's it's about busting mm -hmm. your butt to do it. So. You know, there's a number of ways to do it. Obviously, social media is big. You know, getting on, you know, Facebook, that's huge. You know, promote yourself. Um, try to try to get out to shows. Go out to shows and, you know, do your best to, to communicate with people that, you know, this is going on. We'd like to see you there, and we've got tickets. You know, buy them from us. Perfect. Mike? That was yes. Mike. Oh, I'm getting the two of you confused. I'm sorry, sorry. Rob. Uh, I totally agree with Mike. I mean, um it's definitely about getting out there in the community because, uh, you know, majority of our, our sales for tickets go through Facebook, um, Craigslist, things like that. You know, that's where a, a big abundance of the sales come from. However, when you're out at a show, you know, and you're talking to a guy and it's the same kind of music that you're going to be playing at, at your show, um, you know, telling a guy, hey, I've got tickets for Chunk, no Captain Chunk, you know, 
it, it makes okay. it a lot easier to sell it when you're out there face to face. Um, it can be difficult, especially if you're a, a band that's just starting out. You know, definitely make sure your friends are hearing your music. That way, you know, they have an idea of what they're coming to see and get them supportive and on board with your team. Because um, just starting out, I know. We, I think we were together a year and a half before we would sell tickets to a show. That way we felt established enough to be able to carry our own weight when it came to ticket sales. I mean, it was a pretty tough pretty tough transition. Absolutely. Um, I know that albums have been recorded. Is recording an album expensive? That is the next question that we've received. And then I'll go ahead and add something extra on there. For those that are starting out particularly, and I don't mean brand new, let's say they've been together a year, year and a half, and they feel that they're ready to cut an album, what are some things that they can do to help bring down that cost? Go ahead, Rob. Um, see, we're lucky in, my, in our aspect because we own all of our own recording equipment and our own studio uh, equipment. Um, as far as cutting costs, to be perfectly honest, practice before you go to the studio. You know, Make sure that you are 100% positive on your instrument and on the songs that you plan on recording before you ever step foot in that studio, um, especially since a lot of studios do charge by the hour. You know, If yeah. you're in there trying to lay down a bass lick, uh, and you just don't feel like you've got it, and you spent two hours trying to get it recorded, you know, that's something that could have been avoided with practice. Um, as far as how expensive it is, I, I honestly, I can't answer that question, but, you know, I just know that you need to be ready whenever you go into studio and expect the unexpected, and uh, just... Yeah, I, I, I agree. That's That's absolutely correct there. I mean, you, you can... It can be very expensive to go in there. You know, it just depends. They do charge by the hour. You're you, when when you get into that situation, you're pretty much under the gun. You know, and practice is a that's a big deal. You, you want to be prepared. If you're not prepared, you're going to go in there and start blowing money. And you know, once you get in there and you start, if things are not going your way, if things aren't getting played well, you start getting frustrated, and there's just more time just elapses as you go. And it's just kind of a downhill experience there. Um, we've done the same thing. We've invested in our own equipment, and I think um, that becomes an option once you realize you, you don't really want to go and give your money to someone else. You, you make this in initial investment, and it starts paying off after a while. Um, it, it really, You start doing things on your own time. Uh, it, it really allows for you to be a little more creative. and You're just not under the gun uh, like you were if you're giving someone else your money and having to show up and, and do it at their place. It's. Um, I, I just think that uh, having the option to do it on your own is really, it's it's a uh, very liberating, you know, on a creative level as well. I, I have another will... question come in about that as well. Um, when you're recording, who should get the final say? Should you know, in the band anybody in particular? Do you have some tips as far as if people are going to argue over whether or not the song should be redone? How how is that going to be resolved amongst bandmates? Who should get the final, I like it, leave it alone? Well, I feel like I should get the final say, but everybody <laughs> in my band is going to disagree with that. So, and no, to be to be serious, though, I mean, it, it's a band thing. You know, if you're, if you're truly a band, there really isn't one person that's going to uh, have the final say. Now, if something just sounds like crap, then, you know, you need to know. Don't be afraid to call it out, but... 
you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's almost like saying this this guy here is the boss of the band and he's got the final say. So um, for us, that's not the case. It's really a it's really an approach that we're all equal members and we all have an equal say. And I totally agree with Mike. Um, with us, it's it's very much a democracy. Um, you know, I can critique my own instrument and say, uh, you know, I, I don't like the way the bass is on this. I would like to fix it. But when it comes down to saying this is the final cut of the song, you know, we'll run a majority vote. And with being four of us, it makes that usually pretty easy. Um, we're all very similar in taste. So while we're recording, we're talking the entire time. You know, that way we, when the finished product comes out, we are all ready for that and we're happy. And realistically, we send our stuff out to be mixed and mastered. And so uh, the guy that does that is a really good friend of ours. So his feedback means a lot on the end product. Um, but generally, when we're ready to release something over to him, we're all happy with it uh, because we all take part of you know what each other is doing without taking away from our individuality in the group. Very good answers. I I think if if I were in that situation, um, you know, my next question would be, as far as the interview that's going on, have either one of you, you know, because what what you're describing sounds ideal, clearly. And that's great, and I'm sure that's what everyone wants to do, but all of us know people who've been in that one band that's had communication problems. Have either of you ever been in a band like that, and you don't have to name names or any of that business, what did you do to either try to foster the communication or just, you know, did you cut your losses and move on? Well, I think for me, yeah, it's pretty much just cut your losses and and move on because if you really can't communicate, you're probably not going to, your ability to uh, create the music that you, you want to be involved with is probably it's it's probably on a real negative level there, and it, it's just not going to happen. So I think that's just part of uh, the chemistry of finding the right people to to get in a band with and and to uh, do what you want to do. Because if, if they're not sincere about it, then you know you're probably on a level to where you're just not going to be able to create music that you want to be a part of. And I totally agree with Mike. Um, I've been in a couple of bands where we had the boss per se and <laughs> it never works um if if i can't give any of my creative input into it then it's no longer a fun project for me it becomes a job no different than going to work every day for a boss that you don't like and then you don't want to go to that job so it makes it pointless even trying to participate in a project like that um I'm quick in that kind of situation just to cut ties and go. Um, I'm in music to have fun. It's not about money, headache, and drama. I just want to be up there having a good time with everyone else. So there's really no time to deal with anyone that's kind of got that diva attitude. I think that's really good advice as far as walking away. Now, to someone that's in a band like that, or maybe they just started out in a band, how long would you think would be a reasonable amount of time for people to learn each other's personalities and at least attempt to work out those differences. I think that happens pretty quick. I mean, I think that uh, you're able to get a feel for someone pretty quick on that level, you know, and, and, and like Rob was saying, if someone's a diva or they think they're the boss, that gets old real quick. So, you, you know, don't you don't have to be a, a psychologist to figure that out. You know, you just need right. to... You really need to move forward. If you know, don't don't stay in something that's that negative. 
And definitely. And what, from my personal experience, and what we've done with through auditions and stuff like that, uh, when I auditioned, or I, when we auditioned our drummer uh, for Code 22, after going through maybe 20 auditions, we talked to uh, Sam, which is our drummer, for probably three weeks to a month before he ever auditioned. Just mm-hmm. uh, and that's not necessarily a realistic time for everyone, but it was the time frame that we had available, um, and really got to know each other before even playing together musically. Um, within our band, we act like brothers. Um, we're together all the time. We love each other. You know, it's one of those kind of relationships. And when we're looking for a member to join our band, we want someone that's going to fit that. You know, they don't necessarily have to be the greatest musician in the world. If they come ready, practice, you know, that's what we're looking for. And we would rather have that family aspect and know each other. So, I mean, if you're not taking the time to get to know someone before you actually accept being in their band, you know, you may run into difficulty there. Um, But I definitely would want to know the people that I'm playing with before I make that level of commitment. Absolutely. I think that's a great answer. Um, The next question that was sent in came from someone that was thinking about signing with a smaller label. They said, how do I know if the small label that's signing me knows what they're doing? I would say track record. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Rob. I would say look at their track record. I mean, nowadays everything's online. You can find anything about anyone, including labels. Uh, Definitely talk to other bands that are on the label. Um, And even if you feel the need, talk to bands that have left the label and, you know, why they left the label. Uh, I wouldn't hang my uh, decision based on one band solely, but I like like to collect information. Uh, You know, that's kind of my thing. I want to know who did what, what they do, what is the, you know, what is what is the label actually offering? Because um, the majority of labels nowadays, especially smaller labels, will help you get in studio, record, and that's where it stops. You know, the booking, touring, all of that is generally left on you. Yeah, I think Rob nailed it. You know, I mean, hopefully uh, whoever you're dealing with is has got some sort of history that you can research. I think uh, researching would be a priority in this case. You know, what do they have to offer? Is it is it worth it? You know, maybe. Maybe you're doing as much as they're, you know, willing to do for you. You might be already doing it. You might be able to do better on your own. And, you know, in some cases, uh, yeah, I wouldn't uh, hang my judgment either on, on just one band. You never know. That band, you know, depends on how well you know them. Uh, hopefully, if you're going to, you know, let them judge what you should be doing, then, you know, hopefully you know them real well. But, you know, really it's all about just researching it and, and finding out what these guys have done before and, you know, Find some sort of history on them. You know, it's really just a pretty simple situation to to look at. Absolutely, I, I agree. It's really easy to research these places online, um, and really even offline to find out what's going on and how they're seen in the community and what they are reaching out to do for the people that they sign. Absolutely. Um, do either one of you have any sort of story that you would like to share with the audience to highlight a, an experience, good or bad, in the music industry and what you would hope that people can learn from that experience? I know that both of you have been in the business for a while and you're both very business savvy. What are some things, what's some advice that you could give someone that's just getting into the industry? Well, I think, you you know, it's not really a story, but it's just more of just advice is to – 
get into it for the right reason. You know, if you if you're really dedicated to playing an instrument and a music style, um, you're dedicated to that and you're, you're sincere about it. You know, get into it to have fun. You know, when it stops becoming or when it's you stop having fun, and uh, it, it becomes more of a headache and hassle, and it's more trouble than it's worth. Then I think you're uh, you, you might need to look at doing something else. But you know, I mean. We've been doing this for years, and uh, it's it's still fun. So, you know, if you're in it for the long haul, that's great. But at some point, you know, you need to realize what's good for you. And, you know, if it's time to move on, move on. And I see a lot of people, um, they tend to burn out on the whole thing. Just, you know, they, they, maybe they were 100% at one point. But, you know, then it gets a little old form or something comes up in life where it, things change. So just make sure you're in it to have fun. And- Mike is definitely right. Um, you know, fun is the key here. If if you're not having fun, then there's really no point in doing it anymore. It it should never feel like a business. It should always feel fun. Um, as far as people just starting out, know what you want. Um, before you go out there uh, and try to take on the world, make sure that what you're doing is exactly what you want to be doing. Make sure you're passionate about it. Um, one of the biggest problems I've run across with helping bands that were starting out also is um you got to be humble you know this music scene there's a lot of bands in this scene that have been here for a while and they've kind of earned their dues um i've come across a few bands that are just starting out there you know well i want to headline this show well you know you really kind of have to establish yourself before you can really headline don't get ahead of yourself take it one day at a time one step at a time um you know if it's going to work out, it'll work out. And to me, um, starting out was very overwhelming, you know, especially with doing booking and everything else for Code 22. Um, there was just so many aspects, you know. There was the playing shows, practicing, uh, doing the recordings, plus trying to book shows, and, and it becomes a bit much. So my other point is with Code 22, we all have our own portions that we take care of uh the guitarist takes care of all of our merch uh and anything to do with that the our uh, drummer keeps up with all the social media that way you're not overloading one person with everything so you know a lot of teamwork has to come out of it you know it's 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 a family experience and you're gonna have to treat each other like family you're gonna argue like family you know but hopefully there's more good times than there is bad so it's just stick it out and you know communicate with people uh network with people uh i'll never be able to stress enough how much how important networking is uh, the more people that you know in this industry the further you're going to get absolutely i agree i think that's stellar advice i had one more question come in sure. did either one of your bands that you're in because i know that both of you play a relatively large amount of gigs um did, does either band do you use a band plan or any form of a band plan where you're, you know, writing things down? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it can be that way. I, I don't, it's, you know, a lot of it's just um, kind of seat of the pants, you know. I mean, we, we try to map things out, and, and we discuss it real well. And, it, you know, it nothing really goes by with the out discussion. It's a, there's a lot of things that go into everything when it, in the aspect of a band. So, yeah, there, there's definitely... It's good to have everybody involved and and have some sort of plan. I can't say that it's really written out, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot of mapping out and a lot of input from every band member. 
Um, I agree. Uh, with us, it's really, you know, we communicate every day. We've got a, a Facebook chat for just the four of us, and we and we talk business and we talk personal all day long. Um, that way, when things do arise, you know, I can make a decision on, well, would the guys agree with this without actually having to ask them because we communicate so much as to what our goals are with Code 22, where we want to go, um, the things that we'd like to accomplish, the venues we want to play, the bands we want to play with. You know, it's something that we're constantly discussing. Um, that way, if an opportunity does arise and everyone's not available to vote or, you know, to talk to about it, we can make educated decisions and know that the rest of the band is going to back you up on that. Very good. Very good. So what are each of you, what do you guys have going on right now that you would like people to know about? And make sure and plug your Facebook page and your music pages and where people can find you guys. If they have questions or they want to download your music, where can they go? Well, Center of Disease right now, we're actually, we've taken some time off from playing shows, and we're actually recording our, our first demo. We've played a lot of shows this whole year, but uh, we're, we're recording right now, and uh, we're fixing to start kind of wrapping up the year with some more shows getting booked. So um, we'll be on Reverb Nation. You can check us out on our Facebook page, the Center of Disease. Just look us up. So we're, we're hoping to get some music out there finally. We, we've been fortunate enough to not really have to have a whole lot out there to get a lot of shows booked. And, again, it goes back to what Rob was saying about networking. So that, that pays off. You know, a lot of bands probably wouldn't get shows without, you know, having the, the right network. So that's kind of what we're doing right now. Um, for us, we just released um – we made to, we put together a uh, a little cover album. It's called Nerdgasm. It's a free release that we just put out uh, where we cover our nerdy themes like Doctor Who and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and things like that. Um, we just released our blindness video uh, a couple weeks ago, um, and so we're still pushing that. Um, September 27th, there is a... Uh, Okarta is putting on a... Uh, a benefit show and walk, uh, and that's on September 27th. Um, we'll be participating in that. We've been trying to do a lot of work with Ocarta, a lot of uh, benefit work and charity work, and try to help those guys out and get their music program established that they're working on. Um, other than that, we'll do our typical Halloween show in October, and uh, I think we're looking at possibly playing Eskimo Joe's next month also. Very cool. All right. Well, is there anything else either one of you guys would like to add to the discussion? No, no. I think that we've covered a lot of stuff and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to get on here and, you know, talk about it and even plug our band a little bit. Definitely. Absolutely. I I totally agree, and I totally appreciate it. Um, I didn't throw it out there. Um, if you want to check us out, uh, ReverbNation.com slash Code22. Um, everything's right there, and the links to our 8 million other social media sites that we're connected to. Uh, it'll get you in that direction also. Yeah, you guys are just about everywhere. I noticed that the other day. <laughs> we try. That's a good thing, though. That's a good thing. Well, thanks so much for coming on, guys. We really appreciate having you on, and I'm sure that the listeners did as well. Uh, just a note for everyone that is listening, this will be available later as a free download through iTunes, or you'll also be able to access the podcast through utlradio.com, where you'll see a link to the archives. That's really all we have today, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you, Robin. Take care, Rob. You too, Bye, Mark. guys.
Bye-bye. And today we hosted Music as a Business. You heard Rob Malmberg with Code 22 and Mike Winston with Center of Disease. If you'd like to submit feedback about this show, you're more than welcome to contact us on any of our social media networks, including facebook.com slash understandingthelawradio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to tell all your friends and subscribe to this podcast. We also have a free app that allows you to ask your legal question to a licensed attorney and receive a free answer. There is no in-app purchase. It is totally free of charge. Make sure that you go to topbusinesslaw.com and get that downloaded and check it. Thank you again for joining us, and we will see you Monday morning for Week in Review. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.